22 through 25. This is a great chapter in your New Testament. As we've mentioned many times, it contains summary instructions for the Christian life. Just kind of an overall, uh, I guess an overview of how the Lord wants us to live and conduct ourselves and represent Him on this terrestrial ball like we just sang about. Uh, The chapter starts with instruction for us to be heavenly minded and not earthly minded, to focus on spiritual things and not physical things, to, to, to look at eternal things and not temporal things. The Bible says, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And it's so easy for us to get so in, to distracted and entangled with the affairs of this life as if this life is all there is. But compared to eternity, this life is just a speck. It is just a vapor. And we need to live for what is lasting, what is durable, what is going to matter once this life is over. Because eternity is so much longer than however long you're going to live on the earth. And the only thing that's going to matter in eternity is what you do for Jesus Christ and your service to him and the rewards that are given for that service rendered, which we'll get to here at the end of the chapter this morning. But set your affection on things above, verse number two. And then the first four verses list several reasons why we ought to do that. In verses five to eight, the Holy Spirit addresses some specific sins. There are outward sins of the flesh in verse five. There were inward sins in verse number eight. But these are all supposed to characterize someone who is under the wrath of God, verses 6 and 7. Not someone who has put off the old man, verse 9, and put on the new man, verse number 10. Our lives ought to be different once Jesus Christ moves in. Those things that characterize the lives of lost people ought not characterize the lives of saved people, unfortunately. Unfortunately, it's not always uh, the case. We have been raised to walk in newness of life, Romans 6, 4 says, and so our lives ought to reflect that fact. We have the keys to Christian fellowship in verses 11 through 15, the importance of Bible reading we covered in verses 16 and 17. Last week, the biblical order for the home in verses 18 through 21, and then we come this morning to service and rewards, service and rewards in Colossians 3, 22 through 25. Let's read those verses and then we'll take them one at a time. The Bible says in verse 22, Servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not I service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. So starting in verse 22, it really, it follows the passage that we covered last week. We had instruction for wives in verse 18, for husbands in verse 19, for children in verse 20, for fathers in verse 21. Those all related to God's order for the home. And then some specific instructions to some people in a specific station of life in verse 22, servants, servants. 
obeying in all things your masters according to the flesh. Now, thy service as men pleasers, but in singleness of art fearing God. Now, there's application that we can make in the present day, but we need to acknowledge the historical context of this piece of instruction in the New Testament. So turn with me to the cross-reference, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 18. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 18. Look what the Bible says here. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping the commandments of God. Let everyone, let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's freeman. Likewise also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. Now, we'll put this passage in its context in just a moment, but think about what we just read. What, what the Bible says again and again in those verses is whatever station in life you might find yourself in, it is more important to be a Christian in that condition, in that situation, than it is to invest all of your time and effort into getting out of that station and into another station. Do you understand the argument? If, if one were to have the choice between freedom and servitude, freedom is the obvious choice. But if a person is in servitude, it is better to be a servant for the Lord than a freeman for yourself. Right? Um, if you had the option between employment, working for somebody else, or self-employment, working for yourself, one of those is more advantageous in many ways than the other. Personally, I'd rather be self-employed than employed. But listen, if you're employed, instead of focusing all your time and all your effort and all your life and all your energy into getting out of that condition into another condition, it would be better to be in the not as favorable condition but be able to do it for the Lord than to try to move into a different situation. That's, that's the argument in 1 Corinthians 7. If I had a choice between poverty and wealth, it's an easy choice, right? But it would be better to be poor materially and have a right relationship with God than to be comfortable, right? And have all your needs, no worries about anything, Right? It would be better to not have what not have abundance but serve the Lord than to have way more than enough and not serve the Lord. So 1 Corinthians 7 says, instead of trying to figure out and, 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 and devote your life into changing your situation, you need to devote your life to the Lord in whatever situation you're in. Now look, if your situation changes, great. And the context specifically of 1 Corinthians 7 is marriage. 
And, and I would argue from the Bible that single or married, married is way better. Right? But if you have to give up your relationship to God to change from single to marry, you made a bad choice. Because single with the Lord is better than married and outside the will of God. Okay? And the Holy Spirit even makes this statement in regard to a reality of the society and the cultural context of the New Testament. There were people who were in service. And I'm glad I'm not one of those. And I'm, I'm glad that's not a reality in modern day society. But the Bible is not just for modern day Americans in 2022. You realize this is a reality in many parts of the world yet today. And wherever you might find yourself in life, the Bible tells you how to conduct yourself and what to do and what attitude to take. Do you understand? And so we have this instruction in Colossians 3. It's also in Ephesians chapter 6. Turn there. Ephesians chapter 6. In verse number 5. Ephesians 6. And verse 5. Matching up with the Colossians passage. Giving instruction to children and husbands and wives and family members. And then in Ephesians 6, 5. The Bible says servants. Be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Now with thy service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as the Lord, not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And you masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Ephesians 6, God has instruction for servants. God has instructions for masters. The application for us today that resembles these passages is an employer-employee relationship. Okay, One day you're going to go work a job. Somebody's going to hire you to do a job. And so long as you're working for them and they're paying you, you got to do what they say. <laughs> with, with a good heart. And a good attitude as a representative of Jesus Christ. The saved people on the job should absolutely be the best employees. Should be the best workers. Should, should stand out above the rest. Right? What if the boss asks you to do something that's unscriptural? Something that's wrong? Well, get a different job. Right? But so long as you're under that person's authority submit yourself to their authority you'll please the lord and honestly it's going to work out better for you but in the context of the first century remember this is different and jesus did not come just to upend the social order he gave instructions for individuals for every station within that social order okay first peter chapter two first peter chapter number two and verse 18 Apply this to what we studied last week. Where do you find yourself in life right now? You're a child. And the instruction as a child, obey your parents in all things. Why? This is well-pleasing to the Lord. It, it, it goes way higher than just your immediate authority figures. 
It is a reflection of your relationship to God and your submission to His authority because He's the one who's ordained that structure in your life. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18, Servants, be subject unto your masters with all fear, not only of the good and gentle, but also to the froward. For this is thankworthy of a man for conscience toward God and your grief suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your fault, you should take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, it's acceptable with God. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Whenever you think that your situation is unfair, just think about what Jesus had to face. Coming down from heaven, God in human form, the epitome of perfection. And yet he was placed in the home of Mary and Joseph. Now, honorable people, God selected them on purpose for some specific characteristics in their lives. Mary was blessed above women. Joseph was obedient to what God told him to do. But Joseph and Mary were imperfect people. Jesus was way better than they were. If there was ever a child, way better than the parent. That was the, that was the situation. You know what Jesus did? He submitted himself. Luke chapter 2. Read it. Okay? So God anticipated that we would have some unfair situations in our lives. And it did not change the instructions that he gave us. Okay? So 1 Peter chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Colossians chapter 3. They all line up. Go back to Colossians 3. But it follows with verse 23. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 23. The Bible says, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Now we could apply this. We could go all the way back in the passage and apply this as far as we'd like. Let's start in verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves under your own husbands, heartily as to the Lord. Husbands, verse 19, love your wives, heartily as to the Lord. Children, obey your parents, verse 23, heartily as to the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children anger, verse 23, heartily as to the Lord. Servants, obey, verse 23, heartily as to the Lord. Now, whatsoever you do, guys, this is, this is a huge verse. It's a powerful verse. This verse encompasses every aspect of your life. God said no matter what it is, if it's going to school, if it's doing your chores, if it's working your job, if it's participating in some activity that you've committed to, it's your relationships at home, your relationships at church, whatsoever you do, do it Heartily. What does that mean? Do it from your heart. Do it with your heart. Be all in. Don't go halfway. Can I be honest with you this morning? That's a weird thing to say. I have been honest heretofore. I will be honest the remainder of the time. But what I'm trying to say is this might be a little bit uncomfortable for me to say. It might be slightly offensive. I don't mean it personally toward any one of you specifically. But my observation of this generation is that it is characterized by a lack of drive and a lack of ambition and a lack of motivation. This is the video game generation. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
young people and young adults, generally speaking, and I'm not saying this is you, and I'm saying this doesn't have to be you, and it shouldn't be you, and you need to buck the trend. But what I'm saying is if you look at our society and our world, people don't do things heartily. People aren't all that motivated. There's not a lot of drive. There's not a lot of ambition. It's tied to our entitlement mentality where everything just is supposed to be given to us and we deserve to have, to not work and the government to give us a check that takes care of everything we need and want. That's the idea that has been embraced by this generation. It didn't used to be that way in America. America used to be the land of opportunity, meaning you could work hard and go as far as you wanted to. And how far you would go was, was directly tied to how hard you were willing to work. It was a land of opportunity. You, you could achieve success. You right? And, and that, that, that engendered this spirit of drive and determination. And I'm going to pull myself up and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to come from humble beginnings. But look what I can do. And I'm not saying that we don't need to have dependence on God and we can be self-reliant. What, what I am saying is make something of your life. Don't go through life as a bump on a log. Do something. Want something. Go after something. Pursue something. Now that something ought to be in line with God's will for you. But whatsoever you do. Here's the way to get something out of life and not be a flop. Whatever you're doing, do it. Do your best. Do it with your heart. You understand? Have, have a good work ethic. If you don't learn to have a good work ethic, you will never succeed at anything. Doesn't matter what your specific talents and abilities and skills are, and all of you have them, for them to be put to use and for you to realize that God-given potential, it is going to take hard work. We've talked a lot past couple weeks about marriage. And listen, I still believe that with God, all things are possible. And it is in your future. And it's a blessing. And it's a wonderful thing. It is the greatest earthly relationship there is. If you're willing to work on it. It doesn't just happen magically. You don't just fall in love and the next step is happily ever after. That's not the way it works. You've got to work on it. You, you've got to do these things heartily as to the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Let's turn there. Look at the cross-reference. Ecclesiastes chapter number 9 and verse 10. This is a great, great verse. Proverbs. Song of Solomon, skip that one. Ecclesiastes. No, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Sorry. I knew that. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. The Bible says, Whatsoever. Do you see that? There's, there's no exception. That is, that is an absolute word. Typically, 
It is wise to avoid absolute words. Another piece of relationship advice. For you to tell somebody they always do something, that's not true. Right? For, for you to say to someone, well, you never. That's not true. You need to avoid absolute statements unless you just like lying. It's not healthy for your relationships. But God makes an absolute statement here. Whatsoever. Whatsoever the hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Why? For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. You know why you ought to do everything heartily as the Lord? Because you're going to die. And that will be the end of all of your opportunities to do something with your life. And guess what? None of us knows when that is going to be. Boast not thyself tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Ecclesiastes 9.10 used to characterize the American spirit. The people of our nation used to have courage and gumption and fortitude and daring. And we were far better off with those characteristics in our lives. But you can still make them part of your life. And you ought to. And it's not just about uh, physical things and, and career and, and, and those aspirations and endeavors. Apply this to your spiritual life. What sort of you do, do it hardly. What sort of the hand finds to do, do it with thy might. And then go back to Colossians 3 because it just gets bigger in verse 24. This is incredible. Colossians 3. Verse 23 said, and whatsoever you do. So everything counts. It's like 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all the glory of God. You mean I can, I can sit down to a meal and do it in such a way so that God is glorified? That, that God is interested in every mundane aspect of my life? That's what the Bible's saying. Verse 23, whatsoever you do. Verse 24, Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Service and rewards. Verse 24 is attached to verse 23. God does not just reward us for spiritual things. God does not just reward us for passing out tracts and witnessing on the job and singing in church and ministering at the nursing home it's bigger than that. It's more than that. Verse 23 and verse 24, I would say, encompasses math. Do it heartily as to the Lord, and ye shall receive the reward. I would say that laundry counts. Do it heartily as to the Lord, and ye shall receive the Lord. I mean, your chores, everything you do. And this is encouraging. You know why? Because a lot of life is not spiritual. A lot of life is, is routine and mundane and duty and obligation. It, 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 it's, it's, it's having a home and keeping it clean. It's having kids and cleaning their puke. Right? It's... It's mowing your yard and fixing your car and going to the store and buying groceries. I mean, none of those things are real spiritual. But you have to do them. And if you do them 
for the Lord. The Bible says, whatsoever you do, if you do it as to the Lord, he will reward you. Now listen, I believe you ought to be involved in the ministries of your church, especially at this stage in your life, because you have more opportunity now than perhaps you ever will. Okay? Your, your teen years, your young adult years, your single years, you just need to go all out. All right? But there are, there are times in life, there are stations in life in which people would love to be involved in going out in public evangelism. and People will love to be involved in different outreach ministries, but they just can't. They're stuck at home. Their body will not allow them to leave. They are caring for a, an aged parent, which the Bible says is commendable. You know what the Bible says? If you're doing it for the Lord, if you're doing what God told you to do, He's going to reward you for that. Lots of cross-references that I don't think we have time to look at this morning. Let's just Pick a couple of them. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Go to that one. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <coughs> and verse 8, not 18, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 3. <coughs> and verse number 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Look at this. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. God does not reward us on the basis of our results. God rewards us on the basis of our labor. Did you do what he said to do? Did you do it for him and to him and by him and through him? God's going to reward you for that. The the. The pastor of a church with 500 does not get a bigger reward than the pastor of a church with 50. If they're both where God told them to be, doing what God told them to do, and doing it for him. You receive a reward according to your labor. Verse 14, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Go to Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11, quickly. Hebrews 11, verse number 6. We walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 7. This is a life of faith. Here's what we have to believe in order to serve God faithfully. Hebrews 11, verse number 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do you really believe that God will reward you for everything you do if you do it heartily and to him? If you really believe that, it'll be reflected in the choices you make that line up with that verse. You, if you really believe God's going to reward you, verse 24, you're a lot more inclined to do whatsoever you do heartily as to him in verse 23. Last verse, number 25, Colossians chapter 3, verse number 25. Colossians 3 and verse 25. This works both ways. Not only for what we do for the Lord, but otherwise. Verse 25, but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done 
and there is no respect of persons. Listen, this works the same for everybody. No matter what station, no matter what situation, no matter what condition, if you do it for the Lord, He's going to reward you. If you disregard God's word, there are going to be consequences. You'll receive that instead. Whatsoever a man soweth, right? That shall he also reap. One, two, three, four. Four times in the New Testament. Five times, including Colossians 3. Five times in the New Testament. God is no respecter of persons. When it comes to reward, when it comes to judgment, when it comes to blessing, when it comes to consequences, God treats everyone equally. And if we're following the Lord, he's our example, we need to, we need to take that characteristic as well. One last passage, 1 Timothy 5, verses 23 and 24. First Timothy 5, 23 and 24. So verse 23, do it heartily to the Lord. Verse 24, God will reward you for whatever it is. Verse 25, if you don't, you're going to receive that too. God, God is going to render to every man according to his works. The Bible says that a dozen times. Okay, First Timothy 5, verse 23. The difficulty is that it doesn't seem like it works that way. David struggled in Psalm 73 when he saw the prosperity of the wicked. If if God renders to people according to their works, how are people who are living in disobedience to him prospering and seem to be enjoying life? You ever ask that question? David did. Jeremiah asked that question in Jeremiah 12. He said, Lord, I know that you're right, but I got something I got to talk to you about. Because I've been preaching all this judgment and all the people who are doing the things that you told me to preach against, there's no judgment. I don't understand. How does this work? Because the Bible does say, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. But when you, when you look at people, I mean, you, you do see examples, but then sometimes it, I know the gestation period is, is longer for some than others. First Timothy chapter 5, here's the explanation. Verse 23. Verse 24. Some men's sins, it's 24 and 25, not 23 and 24. Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment, and some men they follow after. Likewise also the good works of some are manifest beforehand, and they that are otherwise cannot be hid. Listen, it is up to the Lord to settle all of those scores. And ultimately, come judgment day, he is going to make absolutely certain that everything levels out. We might not see it all in this life, whether verse 24, reward, or verse 25, punishment. But come this final day, God is going to He's been, he's been keeping score. He's been making notes. He's going to make sure this all shakes out in the end. And you know what Matthew 6 indicates? It's even better to get your reward there than it is to get it here. So listen, God is going to bless your life for your obedience. I, I, I can promise you that on the basis of the word of God. 
But what I'm saying is, a lot of time, the majority of the blessing is not even what he fills your life with here. Now, you get joy, you get peace, you get hope, you get contentment, you get satisfaction. You might also get a lot of heartache and a lot of headache and a lot of trouble and a lot of difficulty. But if you have faith to believe that he is a rewarder, then you've got a lot to look forward to when God levels all of those scores. Does that make sense, what I'm trying to say? So what serve you do? Do heartily ask the Lord. Ye shall receive the reward and the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ. I think that's an excellent way to finish uh, that chapter, Colossians, where God's given us instructions. Here's how I want you to live. And listen, if you do, I'm going to reward you for it. You will be blessed and God keeps his word. And whatever reward God is offering, it's going to be worth it. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for your word this morning. The young people here to listen to it. God, thank you for the attention they've paid. God, I pray that you work these truths in our hearts and in our lives from the honor and glory of your son, Jesus Christ. We ask in his name. Amen.